Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm Ken Hellenius, sitting in the virtual but still pretty real studios in South Bend, Indiana, and sitting across from me in the very real, beautiful new studios of Mater Day Radio in Portland, Oregon, is the man who is the new voice actor for Apple's new Siri, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. <laughs> Hello, Deacon. Hello, Ken. Turn right at the Golden Dome. <laughs> That's good. That's good. No, that doesn't work too well. <laughs> no, exactly. That, those would be walking directions because you can't drive that close. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so how are you doing this weekend? I am I am really well. Uh, summer is beautiful. The weather is hot and humid as it always is at this time of year in, in South Bend. Um, but, uh, you know, we had a great June. July is coming up. We're going to... Uh, bust out the old the old Traeger and do some tasty uh, tasty burgers and what have you some smoked meats for the uh, for the you know for the 4th of July weekend here in a couple of weeks uh, celebrate the nation's birthday all that kind of good stuff you know oh excellent excellent well we just got our grill fixed yeah Ooh. we have we have a handyman that comes out because I am not handy <laughs> I am not you know I'm better with the books and stuff than I am with with my hands but uh, so he came out and fixed our grill and nice. uh, so we'll be able to do some grilling this summer. And, you know, nice. it's wonderful having all four kids home. You know, uh, it, it, I you know, think, oh, okay, they got off to college and we'll have this whole new thing. But you miss them. You know, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so it's really nice having everybody here. And uh, uh, and uh, like I said, my, my travel schedule is winding down now and looking forward to some time and working on a new book and some other projects. And, uh, mm. you know, Leah Darrow reached out to me and I'm going to be doing a a project with her that we're going to be filming uh, in July. Uh, she's she's bringing me out to St. Louis, where she's based out of, and going to do some filming out there. And oh, oh and the anniversary of Chosen is uh, this five year anniversary oh, of the wow. confirmation program. Chosen. So I'm doing yeah. some special promotion and some uh, uh, some interviews, radio interviews, and some print media interviews uh, for Ascension Press. And I'll okay. also be doing a, uh, some chosen promotion in Australia when I when I go there in August. So yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff. But looking forward to some downtime and just actually just do more spiritual reading and writing. Yeah. You know, and not so nice. much speaking. You know, so so I'm looking looking forward to a little break, a little change of pace. And but my allergies are killing me this summer. I don't know what it yeah. is about this summer. My pills, I'm probably going to have to switch my medications again. Because after, you know, yeah. you take pills for a while, they work, but then all of a sudden your body gets tolerance gets from that to, to switch to yep. a different one. Yep. I'm, gonna, I'm there, I think. Uh, oh, dear. Because it's not, it's not working so well this summer. So You know, I wanted to, to mention, I was talking about grilling, and you, you, you guys got your grill all, all connected and everything ready. I actually had a terrible experience as a barbecue chef recently. We had a tremendous grease fire in our grill, and I lost dinner because of it. Oh, no. I mean, it's, it's bad enough. that The grill will be fine, but we missed out on a delicious dinner because I uh, I forgot to clean my grill before we went on this, you know, before we, we did a high-temperature cook, and the, the grease caught fire. Now, I'm proud to report that I did know where the fire extinguisher was, and it worked. 
So <laughs> that right. was good. That we didn't lose the house, but we did lose the uh, the hot dogs. So it was a bit it was a bit tragic. I'm not going to lie to you. Wow, but, those poor uh, things. But, <laughs> no, they they sacrificed for nothing. But I'll tell you what, that grill gets really hot. And for a moment, I was thinking, you know, I should go to confession. So I'm just saying these sorts of things that remind you of of, uh, of eternal punishment. So do two things: clean your grill and go to confession. There That's my go. advice That's for you, it. folks. That's some, it. Some good summertime See, spiritual advice. There you go. Very practical stuff from Living Stones. I tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, last week we were blessed to have a uh, a friend of the show come back and join us. Uh, and we had a wonderful, um, kind of a really neat in-depth conversation and, and lesson on what grace is. And we brought our friend, Father Brian Milady of the uh, Order of Friars Preachers, the Western Province Dominican, Father Brian Milady, well-known retreat master and uh Longtime professor, uh, you know, in uh, of seminarians at, at uh, Holy Apostles in Cromwell, Connecticut, who is uh, in residence at Holy Rosary Parish in Portland, Oregon. He came and joined us. He actually called in from from uh, he was giving a retreat to the Dominican sisters in Nashville. Well, we thought, gosh, we ha- we're having a great conversation. And then the time ran out. So we thought, what the heck? Let's invite Father Brian back to pick up the conversation and go in a little further farther in in depth on some of these awesome topics that we were talking about. So I'd like to welcome back Father Brian Milady. Hello, Father Brian. Hi, how are you? We are better now that we hear you. Right. Hey. Amen. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Father Brian, last week when we were wrapping up our show, we you had uh, kind of helped us walk through the the differences in understanding of kind of human anthropology and how grace really works. Uh, specifically, how grace um, is understood from both a uh, classical Protestant understanding and the the traditional Catholic understanding of of grace transforming nature um, and the idea of total depravity and then the idea that uh, you know that we are actually created by God as as loved beings. So I wanted to just kind of pick up the the thread there and um, and I know Deacon Harold had a couple questions that he had set aside uh, that he's like gosh I want to make sure we get to talk about these things so so I think that's where we're we're going to pick up the conversation tonight. Uh, excellent. Well, um, you know, Father did such a wonderful job uh, giving us a real solid foundation and a, a Catholic understanding of grace. And one of the things that uh, I think I want to talk about first is uh, go a little more into cooperating with the grace. You know, because we always talk about what we have to, in order for sacraments to have power in your life, you have to cooperate with the grace. And we, we, we hear so much about young people being sacramentalized but not evangelized so they receive these sacraments which in which they get sacramental grace but then the sacraments have no power in their life because they're not cooperating with the grace right because as you mentioned grace doesn't uh destroy nature it heals elevates and perfects our nature but we have to cooperate with what god is trying to do in our life you know, because it's, like you said, it's a relationship of love, this exchange of of love and life and intimacy and communion that you talked about so beautifully last week with Adam and Eve. And God has given us this, in, in different ways. You talked about actual grace, sanctifying grace, the grace we need to get to heaven, sacramental grace. But how how would you say that we can better cooperate with the grace that we are given by God? Well, first of all, I think we need to 
examine where cooperating grace fits into the whole scheme. Remember, grace is a true change in our being. It's a change in which we receive a divine way of life. So the issue would be, what causes grace? Well, the only cause for grace can actually be God himself, because it's it's a divine, eternal action. However, in addition to God causing grace, there's a certain receptivity that we have that we become open to receiving this. So even though we're not the primary initiator of grace ever, God is always first, it's necessary for us to remain open to receiving. And so in addition to God being the cause of grace and us being open to receiving in that sense, grace is traditionally divided into two effects. One is where God works in us and we allow ourselves to have him work in us. And the traditional word for this, interestingly enough, in classical theory about grace is justification. No one merits grace. No one merits justification. It's a gift we receive from God, but we have to be open to receiving it. But then the second effect is where God moves us and we allow ourselves to be moved, but then we move ourselves too by our own free choices. And where are we moving ourselves to? Well, we're moving ourselves to heaven. We have a lively desire for heaven. Teresa of Avila once ran away from home as a little girl. And when they brought her back, they said, why did you run away from home? And she said, look, I want to see God. And to see God, you have to die. So I was running away to be martyred by the Muslims so I could see God. <laughs> wow. Now, that means that we have to be open also by acting ourselves once we became capable of that. Now, that, of course, would be when we reach the age of reason. This is called, in classical parlance, merit. What it means is that God also has promised us a reward for desiring him. However, it's not a reward that's like strict justice in this world. It's not like where I build a house and then you pay me a price for it that you've agreed on. It's rather what's called a proportionate reward. God does his part, which is like big, 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 big. But I have participated in this because I allowed his movement to influence the way I look at the world every day on an everyday basis. And this is uh, called a kind of proportionate experience of reward. So when at the end of time, when at the end of our lives, we actually go to heaven, it's true God is rewarding himself for moving us there, but we, in a sense, participate in this in a tiny bit, too. And that's why there are many mansions in heaven. There, Some people are said to love God more than others uh, because they have desired him more than others. They participated him more than others. They prepare themselves for him more than others. Now, that's what it means to cooperate in grace. To cooperate in grace means realizing, first of all, that I'm loved by God. He has a personal providence for me. But then that I allow this awareness of him, my relationship with him, to influence my actions. I, I've just been reading an interesting book. It's the testimony of various people to the, both the priests and the sisters that were uh, nurses in, and took care of the wounded in the Civil War. And one Protestant doctor said 
he marveled that there was this sister of evolution, who was a Holy Cross sister, who tirelessly worked with the sick and with wars. And of course, the wounds there were horrible, as you know. The disease was horrible. They had all kinds of things. And he said, in the morning, she's always there. In the noon, she's always there. And in the evening, she's always there. And she's imperturbable. And he said, I'm at a loss to explain why this is the case. So one day he asked her, he said, "Why? how can you possibly be involved with all these wounded, horribly wounded people? And so serene about it all day long, every day. And he said she pointed to her rosary beads. Hmm. That was it. Wow. So we have to allow God to influence what we do on an everyday basis and, and acquiring the supernatural point of view on an everyday basis to get beyond what people call Elizabeth, St. Elizabeth the Trinity used to say, get beyond the secondary causes. You know, we all have frustrations and problems and God knows what living together. And we have problems with our world and problems with many other things. But unless we can allow God to elevate our point of view, which is what cooperating grace means, we can't make sense of it. And I think for the young one of the big problems is in our world today is, I don't know if it's because of materialism, why, but people don't have a hope of heaven. They don't even know what heaven is for the most part. And many people don't seem to be interested. <laughs> it's, I'm at a loss to explain how Catholic countries like Ireland and Spain and Italy have all fallen away from our religion. You wonder, don't you, don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you understand? No, I don't think the afterlife is something that is really centered in people's consciousness. So how can you cooperate with grace if you don't have any hope of heaven? And, of course, the companion motivation is fear of hell, which, of course, would not is not the highest motivation, obviously, but it can be a goad to some people. I, I, I remember having a conversation with a woman, and she considered herself a Catholic and a fairly good one who'd had in vitro fertilization, and um, I said, you know, it's a sin. You, you, why? I want a child. I said, I know, but that's not the way to go about it. And then she kind of cynically looked at me and said, so you think I'm going to hell for this? And, of course, I'm, who am I to judge, right? But I just said, well, it is a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah. but she was kind of cynical about it all. Really? You still believe in that stuff? You know? Um, yeah, we, we have a lot of people in the culture that says, I don't. I, all I have to do is be a good person. So it's not about right. cooperating with God's grace. Oh well, I'm good. That's all that needs to happen, you know. So an atheist can be good. A Buddhist can be good. You know, a Catholic can be good. It's just you know, you ca- you 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 Catholics make it too difficult. <laughs> I think that's where we are today, sadly. Yeah. On the other hand, we also believe if we are taking our religion seriously, that it should be easier for us because. For one thing, we have uh, Mass and the Holy Eucharist, which nobody else has, and it's a participation in heaven, a food for heaven. But how many people really look on the Eucharist as a participation in heaven? I, I, I may be being harsh, too harsh, because I do believe people have some kind of desire for the transcendent of some kind, but they don't necessarily identify with the Christian God or a personal God. Mm. And uh, it's always this thing of, well... I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Which means exactly. I don't have to conform myself to anybody but myself to determine what my spirituality actually is. What kind of spirituality is that, anyway? 
Can I ask a quick question? You know, you kind of referenced something that that I think of in my own spiritual life there, Father, and that is, you know, we do have these great helps like the sacraments, reconciliation, Eucharist, you know, daily prayer that both um, opportunities for sacramental grace and and for kind of, you know, actual everyday graces. Um, Sometimes I wonder if I'm not... kind of setting myself up am i am i kind of taunting the devil in a way that makes him after me even more is that a real thing uh you mean when you take your religion seriously yeah well of course uh, satan is more interested in making people like him who aren't or don't want to be yeah and so uh as you know he's going to uh try to be more active in the life of a person who takes their conversion seriously but he's going to use the subtler sins like pride, you know, to yeah. attack on that front. But uh, C.S. Lewis had that wonderful thing in the Screwtape Letters yeah. where he basically said that the reason a lot of people are experiencing spiritual aridity and, and really not experiencing what it truly means to be human is just because all they will love it, they want everything to be mediocrity. And uh, the, the, the Screwtape proposes a toast. He talked about the fact that the banquet of souls on which the devils were feeding was tasteless today because they didn't have any really good cracking evil people. <laughs> Everybody just sort of went to hell with mediocrity. Um, yeah. And uh, he said uh, there was a tyrant. It's a famous story in Plato. The Dionysius, the tyrant of Syracuse in Sicily, was asked how he kept the people in line. And he said he took a guy to a field and he took a stick and knocked off all the heads of grain that grew about the others. And he yeah. said, that's easy. You just tell them that no one should strive to be excellent. Mm-hmm. Everybody should just be content with being like folks, he called it. And that's what democracy is. And he said, the problem is Satan has couched democracy now, not with a system of government, but a system of being, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's uh, somehow undemocratic to want to strive to be excellent and holy, <laughs> virtuous. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, almost every day, it seems, you know, we're hearing about this priest abuse this person or this bishop covering up something. And there's a lot of confusion going on right now, fr- quite frankly, from within and from outside of the church, you know, it, was, it almost seems that every state now the attorney generals are asking for records from dioceses for cases and uh, to investigate and all this kind of stuff. And but yet the church is supposed to be the vehicle of God's grace. But how can the church be an effective vehicle of God's grace when uh, they were surrounded by controversies and scandals? Well, first of all, I'd say that I know that because all of our records are yet again being gone through. And who knows what someone might misinterpret today, because it seems even the strangest things can be misinterpreted by people. That's not to say that we haven't had a lot of problems. This Cardinal McCarrick thing is especially distressing. But the problem is trying to reduce the church to the clergy. Uh, Protestants are like that. You know, it's the minister and his holiness that's supposed to keep you together Catholics have never been like that. It isn't supposed to matter who the priest really is. It's one of the reasons why we used, remember we used to have the Eucharist facing the other way. Some places still do because the personality of the priest isn't supposed to enter into it at all. And also the person, the priestly charism 
is the charismatic grace. And the difference between charismatic graces and sanctifying grace is that sanctifying grace is holiness. Charismatic graces can be exercised by people for the sake of others who aren't holy because God isn't stymied by the weakness of his ministers in giving his grace. And we expected every priest to be in a state of holiness before they consecrated the Eucharist. We wouldn't have too many too many Eucharists around the world. On the other hand, these horrible crimes they're accused of, that tends to detract from people's appreciation for what we do when we experience the holiness of the Church. But we have to remember it's the sacraments that are the means of our salvation. Christ himself is the means of our salvation. The priests are the dispensers of the sacraments, it's true, and the clergy. But that doesn't mean to say that our my faith depends on what the clergy is like. Uh, Lord knows, in the past, a lot of the clergy in Europe for many centuries were nobles that were appointed to be clergy. Um, you can think of people like the famous bishop who fell away from the church, kept going back and forth in the French Revolution, Talleyrand. He was ordained and said one mass. That was it. And then he joined the French Revolution, drained the money from the church. Then he became Napoleon's minister. But interestingly enough, when he died, he insisted on being anointed as a priest, <laughs> <laughs> even though he denounced the church for its whole life. Wow. I mean, uh, the, the clergy uh, its wonderful. We're, God bless it. We have wonderful holy clergy. It's great. But we haven't always had that for 2,000 years. And we have to be very careful to invest, I think is the way I want to put this, is to invest our desires for holiness in someone's personality. It's not Jesus. Mm. Uh, gurus and ministers who are the their personalities that of congregations, like these huge mega churches, you know, Austin and all those people. That, that's not Catholic. So the way the thing I would say is that the sacraments are the extension of our Lord. The priests are supposed to, of course, be his ministers. And we pray for holy priests, and we try to encourage people to be developed as holy priests. Priests that are felonious priests shouldn't be exercising their priesthood. But in the middle ground, there's the person who's striving for holiness but isn't perfect. And uh, we can't base our faith on someone else's striving for holiness. You know, we're all in the same boat when it comes to that. Yeah, so true. Well, Father, I think, uh, you know, this has been an absolutely fascinating you know, kind of <laughs> reflection on, on, on our daily life and kind of how grace, how we can cooperate with it. But, you know, you also are somebody who's talked to us before about Our Lady. And I know, Deacon Harold, you and I were chatting offline about, uh, about how Our Lady actually is, um, she's the one who gets addressed as she who is full of grace. Right. I think this is a, a, a fruitful area. Maybe, you know, we just have a few minutes left tonight, you know, maybe maybe three and a half minutes or so. Can you help us understand what it means that Mary is the one who is full of grace? Okay, well, first of all, some of my Protestant friends always throw up to me, what's this Mary thing? And I'll yeah. say, well, you believe in Scripture, right? Yeah. Little interpretation, right? Yeah. Well, it says in Scripture, all generations will call me blessed. <laughs> yeah. And that's all yep. we're doing. Yep. Now, in the yeah. Vatican Council, as you remember, she's placed in Chapter 8, which is in the second part of the Doctrine of the Church on the Holiness of the Church. 
because all that's said about the holiness of the Church, which is its purpose, the purpose of grace, is summed up in Our Lady, because she was chosen before the world began to be prepared to be the mother of the Savior. She's full of grace, first of all, in the sense that she was born without original sin. She's also full of grace because she's the paragon of all the virtues and all the gifts. You know, we pray to various saints because they represent one gift or one grace, one virtue to us. But in Mary, we see all the virtues and all the gifts exemplified. And one of the famous statements is that her grace in her initial conception was greater than the grace of the angels and the saints in heaven. Uh, Though she does have a process by which even she grows in grace, especially as is seen in the Annunciation, when she finally, when she accepts being the mother of God, still, uh, basically, where she starts out is where all the rest of us may end if we're really, really holy. Uh, no one is as loved by God as his mother and uh, and his bride. So we see in her what it truly means to be. Now, Jesus, of course, is God in person, but we see the fullness of what the church and believers are because she's the first of believers. And uh, that's why in Revelation, you know, in the famous chapter 12, you know, the woman clothed with the sun, all the nature began when God called it back to himself in love. It's seen fulfilled in man, and finally seen fulfilled in she, who is the honor of our race and the glory of our people, who is the most human of all of us, because she's the most love with God. Wow, that's, I don't think you can get any better than that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's absolutely. awesome. And which is why we should foster devotion to the Blessed Mother. Oh, very uh, much so. Absolutely. And call upon Mary. Call upon Mary in every yeah. hour. You know. Yeah. I, I don't know any better place to end, but but with that. You <laughs> that's know. right. Um, so we have reached the end of our conversation for this time, but we'd love to have you back with us, you know, in future. Uh, Father Brian, it's been a great pleasure to have you with us. Um, and don't forget, folks, that you can listen to our previous conversations with Father Brian. You can see all the episodes that we've ever done. Um, you can go to moderndayradio.com and then click on programming and then go down to Living Stones. You can also go to livingstonesmedia.org. You can connect with us via Facebook. We are Living Stones on Mater Dei Radio. We're also on Twitter at Catholic Stones. But until we gather again next week, Father Brian, I wonder if you might uh, might offer a blessing for our listeners. May the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. 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 We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Mater Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.